Welcome to Hancock Talks, your source for insights about life insurance trends and opportunities with a focus on tactics that can help drive your sales. This podcast is for financial professional use only. It is not intended for use with the public. This material is for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide advice. The opinions and views expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of John Hancock. Please listen to the important disclosures at the end of this podcast. Now, let's get started with your host, Karen Egan. Hello, welcome to Hancock Talks, and thanks for being with us. You know, there's a tremendous focus today on health outcomes and longevity. One of the tenets of our business here at John Hancock is to help our customers live longer, healthier lives. To do that, we launched the John Hancock Vitality Program and have an ever-growing ecosystem of collaborators who bring expertise, tools, and resources that enhance and optimize our customer experience. Today, we're joined by two of those collaborators to talk about what we've learned in recent months and how we can continue to build programs and solutions that can have a meaningful impact on our customers' lives. We're joined by Dr. Vindell Washington, CEO, Unduo, a virtual care program that provides diabetes tools, coaching, and clinical support. And Dr. Dariush Mazafarian, Dean of Friedman School of Nutrition and Policy at Tufts University. Doctors Washington and Mazafarian, thank you for being with us. We're going to dive into each of your specialties in just a moment, but to set the stage, I'd love to get your high-level thoughts on the current COVID-19 state that we are in. How is that going to impact and possibly change people's view on personal health and wellness going forward? Dr. Mazafarian, I'd like to start with you. Well, I think, unfortunately, COVID-19 has you know, shined a bright light on how important nutrition is and how our food system right now is, is broken and actually making us sicker in many ways. COVID-19 is a, is a fast pandemic on top of a slow pandemic of obesity, diabetes, and other diet-related conditions. And those two pandemics, one over a year, one over about 30 years, are intertwined and linked together. And so whether it's food and nutrition and immunity, the tremendous disparities we're seeing in food access and affordability and hunger right now, the the food waste and, and broken supply chains, or as I mentioned, the incredible links between Uh, diabetes, hypertension, obesity, and poor outcomes with COVID-19, we're seeing that, you know, business as usual in the food system is is no longer okay. And so whether it's individual consumers or businesses or government policies, you know, we we need to to fix food. Dr. Washington, what is your take? Well, as my colleague was speaking, it brings to mind that there are a number of macro issues that have been exposed by the pandemic pandemic. Many of them have been negative. Many of them have really exposed some deep faults within our American health system, areas that we could all lean in to try to improve. One, I think, unexpected outcome was really this expectation of consumers now, especially after COVID, that the customization and and convenience that is required to get people through the pandemic, I think that expectation won't go away. I think this idea that we should meet patients and members in the community where they are and in a way that's convenient and a timeline that works for them, I think that won't go away. And and we're going to continue to lean into that um, as a a company. I joined Unduo with really this thought of how we need to plug in the holes that occur 
and a patient's care journey between physician visits and to align it more with what happens in a person's normal life. And I think the one thing that's happened as a result of this pandemic is that we've been sort of forced to think about those periods of time in different ways and to, to be proactive about it. Um, it's our belief that really high quality data from digital tools and using data better to predict what might be needed and how to keep people well at scale is important. And we think really the only way to get there is to do this with the technology backbone, the only way to scale this kind of personalized care. And so we, we think that's led to consumers taking more of an interest in their care and being creative about how to deliver care and receive care, both as providers and, and healthcare consumers. And, and so we've really um, noted that change really in just a short number of months. All right. So, Dr. Washington, if people living with pre-existing health conditions, we know they're particularly vulnerable in the event of a health crisis. So what are we learning about how to best support those individuals? Well, one observation is that, particularly in this time of pandemic, is that the care that's delivered and how you deliver that care is particularly important. So for us, we focused on a virtual care delivery infrastructure and we were thinking about it really from a convenience perspective, but really it's, it's now clearly a necessity. And so uh, in order to treat people well with pre-existing conditions in this environment, we really have to figure out ways to support them in a way that doesn't expose them to virus in a way that, that is uh, safe. The other thing that we've, we've noticed and, and really thought a lot about is that when we're talking about chronic conditions in particular, chronic conditions often really are about behavioral change. And so much of what needs to be done to keep people healthy is really focused on getting them to do the thing that they would not otherwise ordinarily do, whether it's taking their medicines regularly, exercising, et cetera. And so focusing on what are the windows of opportunity for change and what are the times at which we could push that button or activation energy tool that, that gets people moving in the right direction and focusing on it, we think is super important in this timeline. And we also think that really taking um, advantage of a virtual platform in order to understand our members better, to address the concerns of high-risk populations with digital phenotyping and analysis and prediction. And really, uh, for, for us at least, we've increased the frequency of our touch bases. And so you might think in this time of pandemic, we're stepping back from care delivery, but we think that expanding our support strategies and more adding touches has really been important in supporting people with uh, chronic diseases who are vulnerable in this time of crisis. And so we've been really proud to do that. And we think that that's been an important learning in this time. Can you offer some insight on how technology is better enabling access to care, specifically the virtual care that we've seen adopted so widely this year? Yeah. So the framing on this, I think, is super important. And so on the one hand, I think that figuring out what people need and when they need it and what the right interventions are and what's likely to be effective in any given population is really a data exercise. And we, as a company, have spent more time recently doubling down and thinking more carefully about what interventions are likely to be successful and how to deliver those interventions virtually. So that rests on a little bit of our alphabet DNA, where we've used a lot of machine learning and predictive analytics to know what populations we should approach, how we should approach them, 
and, and really what is the most likely intervention to be successful in that space. We do think that this idea of being able to provide that care remotely has been underscored. And so access to care often really depends on a lot of variables. And often in our lives, we, we overcome those without much of a second thought. But if you look at our vulnerable populations, transportation, the ability to drive across town in a, in a busy city, to find parking, to walk to the, um, the doctor's appointment, if that's where you're going, or to get in and out of a pharmacy for, for meds, et cetera, those things are barriers to care. And so one of the things I think that has been really an opportunity for us and where we've upped our focus on this digital care delivery is that in these settings where it is broadly accepted and we've had a chance in some instances to, to watch the use of telemedicine increase by 4,000 or 5,000 percent for care deliverers across the board, it's allowed us to do a better job of meeting patients where they are. And, and in many circumstances, it's easier to have that direct care intervention be digital than to do the traditional catch the bus across town or subway across town for care. Sure. So we think that that's been one of the drivers. Right. No question. So Dr. Mazafarian, technology and access to care are, are really big picture aspects of the health landscape. And your focus, nutrition, tends to be more specific. So how does nutrition specifically play into the pandemic, this health crisis, and the idea of improving your baseline health? Well, I would say, you know, nutrition is the biggest picture aspect of, of the health landscape. It's the number one driver of poor health in this country and globally. As a cardiologist during my training and then, you know, seeing patients in the clinic and in the hospital, it was always clear to me that food and nutrition were playing such a big role in my patient's health, and yet those aspects are largely ignored, uh, have been ignored traditionally by the healthcare system. And over the last you know, 20, 25 years in my career, we and others have shown now quantitatively that poor eating, what we eat, is the single biggest driver of poor health, again, on the planet. And so if you want to be healthy, right, and if you want to be a physician who takes care of people or a healthcare company that takes care of people, food and nutrition has to be at the top of the list. And it's not just for common conditions that people think of, like obesity, heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and, and high blood pressure, but also increasingly several specific cancers, brain health, gut health, immunity, uh, autoimmune diseases, potentially. There's just a, a world of, of science that we're, we're discovering. And so, you know, even before the pandemic, this was true. And again, as I mentioned, the pandemic has highlighted how important being healthy is. COVID-19 is a very unusual virus. It's like a heat-seeking missile for poor metabolic health. There's not been, to my knowledge, an infectious disease like this, certainly not a common respiratory disease that is so uh, severe and, and so uh, seeks out people with especially diet-related conditions. And there's lots of potential reasons for that. And so I think that we have to, if we want to actually have a functioning government that's not spending um, almost 30% of its entire budget on healthcare, if we want to have a functioning economy that's not spending almost one in five dollars of the entire economy on, on healthcare, if we want to have people live long, healthy, vibrant lives, uh, kids who are learning in school, uh, older adults who are aging in a healthy way, 
we have to address food as our number one priority. This is true for health. This is true for improving equity and reducing disparities. And this is true for our economy and, and, and for dollars. This is the only way out of the mess that we're in. Right. So it's personal health and longevity, right? And clearly you're saying it's, it's population health, that there has to be an increased focus. Absolutely. And, you know, what's exciting is that the public gets this now in a way that I've never seen before over the last several years. They really understand that the food system is making them sick. They're confused about what to do, what kind of diet to follow or what's, what's actually healthy, but they, they get it. And especially millennials get it. And millennials are purchasing, you know, with, with their principles and, you know, buying foods that they think are better for them better for the planet uh, and that they trust and are authentic. And so there's a lot of disruption going on and that disruption innovation, like uh, companies that have been, you know, uh, Dr. Washington's company on do and others that that disruption and innovation is moving toward bringing and integrating nutrition into you know, uh, aims for health. And so I think the companies that are going to survive and do well in the next 10 or 20 years around food and, and also around healthcare and personalization are going to have a strong focus on nutrition. And government policy also has a role to play here. And, and at Tufts University in Boston, you know, we're one of the leading institutions in the country and in the world focusing on the science and policy of food and nutrition. We're working closely with several members of Congress, with uh, several state leaders, to try to think about how to integrate food and nutrition better into health, whether it's business innovation and startups, whether it's advancing the science of, of the gut microbiome or personalization or, or other foundational discoveries, whether it's food as medicine policy, having your insurance actually pay for healthy eating, pay for a healthy home-cooked meal. So I think the future, if we can actually tackle these things at an individual level and a population level, the future looks very bright. That's exciting. Well, Dr. Washington, let's get back to you. So there's there's much happening in our world that's impacting people physically and mentally, but instead of focusing on one aspect of a person's well-being, can you speak a little bit to, you know, the new technologies and how they're able to really support the whole person? Yeah, it's a little bit of a surprise, just the value that technology can bring to this uh, humanizing approach. But I would stress the framing of your question, which is, you know, can you address an individual's problem by looking at their diabetes or their hypertension or some other single aspect of their uh, health status? And I think the answer is you really get too small of a slice of the person if that's your approach. I also firmly believe that individuals don't view themselves as a condition. You know, in med school, you're often taught about your, your first few words about a patient should encapsulate the uh, important clinical conditions, but people don't refer to themselves as I am diabetic as my central identity. With technology, you can take many different aspects of an individual and you can consider all of those aspects of an individual and create pictures of folks and then decide what kinds of interventions make sense. And so uh, I live here, I work in this place, my social status is X, I have this amount of disposable income to eat well, to buy my medications. I have these conditions that give me difficulty, but I have these other support structures in my community that are important to me. And and maybe most importantly, we start all of our interventions at Unduo with this motivational interview, 
maybe most importantly is what is important to me in my life. And this ability for us as a tech company to use the tools to really paint an individual picture and then do that at scale for an entire population, I think is a critical um, value to bring to the table. I mean, because as you say, it's really hard to have success when you're thinking about people as a single disease process. None of us think of ourselves in that way. And I think getting people to better uh, to live longer and healthier lives really depends on us sort of considering the whole person. So Dr. Mazafarian, the need for good nutrition is universal. So whether whether or not you're trying to manage a chronic condition, right, it's, it's, it's universal. So at this time, particularly when people want to feel more in control of things and, and they want to start to kind of move forward, what can they do? What would you recommend that people do at the individual level when it comes specifically to nutrition? Yeah, it's a really important question. And I think that there's three take-home messages that I would emphasize. You know, I think first, uh, food and nutrition work very quickly. There's a misperception that it takes, you know, years to, to get healthy when you change your diet. And yet randomized controlled trials have shown very clearly that within six to eight weeks, if you just change what you're eating without changing your physical activity, without any weight loss, you can have dramatic improvements in your metabolic health, your blood cholesterol levels, your glucose, uh, your blood pressure, other biometrics. And if you persist more than a few weeks, six months, a year, many of those conditions significantly improve or, or can even you know, go into remission. So take-home message number one is diet works quickly, and it does in the other direction too, right, for harm. Uh, take-home message number two is that, you know, small positive changes make a difference. You don't have to completely switch everything about your diet. And when people ask me what to focus on, you know, I say focus on increasing the good rather than thinking of food as a, as a, a bad part of your life and a negative part of your life that you have, you have to always be worried about. Focus on increasing the good. Fruits, nuts, seeds, fish, yogurt, uh, healthy plant oils, um, vegetables. There's a whole bunch of healthy foods that people can increase in their diet. And then the bad will more naturally fall away and particularly refined starches and sugars and highly processed and and packaged foods will more naturally fall away. And then number three, I think the third take-home message is that um, you can't do this alone. And so relying on just knowledge and education to be able to navigate the crazy food system that we have is really not going to work for most people. Um, it's not going to work because of their time, their income, their their knowledge, cultural uh, preferences, many other things. And so we, we absolutely need to have systems in, in place that support the person. And so whether it's healthcare systems that support that, whether it's health insurance or life insurance systems that incentivize or support healthier eating, or whether it's government policy and people advocating to their representatives, advocating in a time of a presidential campaign and and senators and representatives running, ask them about food. Say, hey, you're not happy with the food system and you want to have a food system that the default choice is healthy, the the default healthy choice is less expensive, easier to access, tastes better. So I think that's take-home message number three is that we need systems changes, whether it's within healthcare, at the work site, at school, or, or in government policy to help and nurture those individual uh, choices. Well, Dr. Mazafarian and Dr. Washington, I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. So insightful, just great takeaways. And we are very fortunate to have your level of expertise and commitment 
to helping people live longer, healthier lives as we continue to try to grow and enhance our solutions. So thanks again. For sure. Enjoyed the discussion. Thank you for having us. It was great to be on. Now let's go to the sales corner segment of the show. With us today is Matt Gibson, Head of Strategic Distribution Initiatives. Welcome, Matt. It's great to be here, Karen. Let's jump right into it, Matt, from a sales perspective. Can you tell us a bit about how Vitality sales have been doing? Absolutely. So we're selling more Vitality and Aspire than ever. Sales were up 84% in 2019 over 2018, and we sold more than $200 million of Vitality Plus Target Premium in the last 12 months alone. Vitality sales have been growing year over year, but obviously, as of late, health is of top of mind to consumers. So a solution like Vitality is important to them really more than ever. You're right. Everyone is paying more attention to their health. And as a policyholder myself, I love my John Hancock Vitality policy and the membership. And I use the benefits. I, I use them all the time. Tell everybody what customers are saying. Well, there's a demand for personalized solutions, right? And there's a clear increased awareness in health as a result of the world that we're all living in right now. And Vitality offers clients a customized solution that helps protect their financial future while offering them significant savings and rewards for living healthy. So there was actually a recent study that was showing that two out of three customers want personalized solution from their insurance carrier. And with Vitality, customers not only get insurance solutions that are tailored to their specific health and their needs, but they also gain access to all the personalized benefits that Vitality can provide. It really makes the conversation about the important insurance planning that our producers have with them that much more relevant. That's a really good point. Can you go into that just a bit more? How can insurance producers use Vitality as an enabler for those conversations? Sure. I mean, it really is as simple as just starting the conversation, right? Because it's a lot easier to have a conversation about health and supporting a customer than it is to talk about death and dying. You know, for example, I could start a conversation with you. Just Karen, I know we're here today to talk about some financial planning, but if there is something that we could do to support you and support your family's well-being and health, all while incorporating that into the planning that we need to do here today, is that something you'd be interested in exploring? Now, most customers, I'd imagine, would say yes to that question, particularly in the current environment that we're in, right? Simply put, Vitality opens the door to the conversation about life insurance planning. Vitality conversations are really already a part of most insurance producers' fact-finding when they ask a customer about their family, their health, their health history. A conversation about Vitality is really a way for a customer to be supported, as well as a way to give them control over a portion of their policy's performance. It's just a natural extension of that existing conversation. So it seems like a great way to introduce insurance planning and vitality to new and potential clients. But talk a little bit about how insurance producers can use vitality to engage existing customers. Absolutely. To remind everyone, you know, we have two versions of vitality. We have vitality plus, which is the full rewards version of vitality and Vitality Go, which is the no-cost version of Vitality. Vitality Go is also available on our in-force policies, 
and has been automatically included on policies since October of 2018. So customers that already have Vitality Go and are eligible to upgrade to Vitality Plus, the full rewards version of the program, can easily do so. And I would encourage producers who are listening today who have enforced John Hancock customers to remind them about Vitality Go and the benefits that comes along with them. But perhaps what's more important is empower those customers to upgrade to Vitality Plus, which will then allow them to earn rewards, benefits, and premium savings that Plus can provide. It's an easy conversation to have with your existing customers, right? It's a simple phone call to your customers to remind them of a living benefit, Vitality, that they already have access to. And we all know that having a positive touch point or even just a simple reason to call a customer is valuable. Upgrading to Vitality Plus is an easy way to have that customer possibly improve their existing policy. Well, you're right. Who doesn't love an upgrade? And these are all easy conversations we can have with our customers today. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us. Really great having you. Sure thing, Karen. So let's wrap up with the Marketing Minute segment of our show. With us today is Senior Marketing Manager, Karen Yazigi. Thanks for having me, Karen. Well, we already talked about how to have those vitality conversations with Matt. I'd like to talk with you a little bit about who to have them with and, and when's the right time. Sure. So I know you heard a lot of information today from all the speakers. And as a marketer, I'm going to break it down into three easy sound bites to help you talk to your clients and prospects about Vitality and Aspire. Sound bite number one, prospecting. When you're prospecting, we know from research when Vitality is shown, the sale is 33% more likely to close than when it's not. Why? Because as we heard earlier from Matt, most clients want a solution that's tailored to their individual insurance and wellness needs. And especially in today's environment, platforms like Vitality and Onduo can help clients get that personalized care that is critical to help them manage their health at home during this time. And if you're prospecting someone who's living with diabetes, we know they're much more at risk for having complications from COVID. And John Hancock Aspire can give them access to not only financial protection for those who qualify, but also a state-of-the-art diabetes management platform from Onduo, which includes devices, coaching, and expertise to help them manage their condition. So Vitality and Aspire have always been relevant, but today they are especially relevant for your clients right now. So talk to them about Vitality and Aspire at the point of sale. Soundbite number two, we've covered prospecting, now let's cover post-sale. Vitality and Aspire can be a great reason to reach out to clients long after the sale is done. We always need reasons to pick up the phone and call prospects, so do it. Call them up, ask how they're doing, and remind them that the life insurance you sold them can help them save money and live healthier during these unprecedented crazy times. And number three, the last soundbite is related to upgrades. Matt mentioned another way to drive sales is by upgrading your eligible clients from Vitality Go to Vitality Plus. It's a no-brainer for your Go clients who are engaging at maybe even silver status or above, but they're not getting as much as they could be for their effort. So use the upgrade form and get these clients to Plus. And you can always leverage our free resource that's available to both you and your clients. They're called Vitality Personal Consultants. They're masters of the program 
and can even reach out directly to your clients with your permission, of course, to help them get onboarded and make full use of the program. You know, Karen, those are great points. Tell us about the supporting materials. Like, what do we have to help producers really have those conversations? We have a lot of pieces that producers can leverage. So for pure prospecting, like we talked about in the first soundbite, we have Vitality social media posts and digital banners that producers can use on their own social channels. We also have a Vitality overview brochure to help explain the differences between Vitality Go and Vitality Plus, what the rewards are for each, and how the program works. And the last thing, if producers do want that upgrade form, they can access it on jhsaleshub.com, along with other materials I mentioned earlier. Well, Karen, you shared some great information and resources with us today. Thanks again for joining in. Thanks so much, Karen. I appreciate you having me. We also appreciate all of you joining us for this episode of Hancock Talks. For more resources on today's topic, as well as access to more information about how to grow your insurance business, visit jhsaleshub.com. And don't forget, download and subscribe to the show on iTunes to get new episodes as they become available. Thanks for listening. For the statement referencing sales were up 84% is based on the internal data from January 2018 to December 2019. For the statement referencing, we've sold more than 200 million of Vitality Plus target premium in the last 12 months alone is based on internal data from July 2019 to July 2020. For the stats showing that two-thirds of consumers want personalized solutions is from lifehealth.com. 85% of U.S. adults would improve health and fitness habits for a lower monthly life insurance premium, www.lifehealth.com. For the statement, John Hancock Vitality cases have been 33% more likely to close than non-Vitality cases. These percentages are based upon a rolling 12-month placement ratio of John Hancock new business data of formal applications with Vitality Plus as compared to cases without Vitality Plus from May 2019 to April 2020. For the statement, someone who is living with diabetes, we know they're more at risk for having complications from COVID if from How COVID-19 Impacts People with Diabetes, August 2020, www.diabetes.org. Any discussion of features, values, or benefits are not guaranteed and may be subject to change. Insurance policies and or associated riders and features may not be available in all states. Some riders may have additional fees and expenses associated with them. Existing eligible Vitality Go clients may choose to upgrade to Vitality Plus for as little as $2 a month for a single-life permanent policies, $4 per month for survivorship, or 3% of the model premium for term policies. Vitality Go is not available with policies issued in New York, Washington, and Puerto Rico. Rewards and discounts may vary, are subject to change, and are not guaranteed to remain the same for the life of the policy. John Hancock Vitality Program rewards and discounts are only available to the person insured under the eligible life insurance policy. Vitality is the provider of the John Hancock Vitality Program in connection with policies issued by John Hancock. Aspire is not available in New York, Washington, Idaho, and Puerto Rico. The benefits available under Aspire can vary depending on whether the insured has type 2 or type 1 diabetes. The type and 
coverage amount of the life insurance policy purchased and the level of on-duo engagement with the John Hancock Vitality Program. Eligibility for an on-duo membership is also subject to on-duo's qualification requirements. Certain aspects of Aspire may change over time. There is no coordination between Aspire and any health benefits you may receive from an insurance policy, health plan, or any other wellness programs you may be enrolled in. John Hancock has arranged with Onduo to offer you the opportunity to apply for an Onduo membership if you have been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Onduo currently offers three levels of membership, high, low, and maintenance, with different benefits and services. Eligibility for membership and the type of membership offered to you is determined solely by Onduo. Certain exceptions apply. John Hancock will pay your first year membership fee, subject to minimum face amounts, and thereafter, depending on your policy's face amount and your level of engagement with Onduo. Membership fees typically range from $250 to $750 for low and high memberships and $10 for maintenance membership. All fees are subject to change. Life insurance products are issued by John Hancock Life Insurance Company, USA, Boston, Mass, 02116, not licensed in New York, and John Hancock Life Insurance Company of New York, Valhalla, New York, 10595. This recorded material may have been recorded to support the promotion or marketing of the topics addressed in this recorded material. Individuals interested in the topics discussed should consult with their professional advisors to examine legal, tax, accounting, or financial aspects of these topics. MLINY 0814 201113.